Folks, are you concerned about American K-12 through education? Are you worried about what your children or grandchildren are learning or not learning in school? So if you've answered yes, my friends at Hillsdale College have a free resource for you. You've heard me talk about how Hillsdale College understands the importance of education to the future of our country. And now they're offering you 10 free print copies of their recent issue of Imprimus, entitled Education as a Battleground, written by Hillsdale College President Larry P. Arn. This special issue provides a factual account of the issues in the ongoing going battle over education and why parents and teachers, not bureaucrats or activists, should guide what our children learn. With Hillsdale College, you can make a difference in your community by distributing these copies of Imprimus to your community. Don't miss this opportunity to arm yourself with the facts. Claim your 10 free copies of Education as a Battleground by visiting Dana4FORHillsdale.com. That's Dana4Hillsdale.com. Act today and join the battle over education for our country's future. That's Dana4Hillsdale.com. Mayor Pete, why did it take you an entire two and a half weeks to actually get here to respond to East Palestine? Will you apologize to the residents of this city for for the, the, the slow response, to the government's slow response? Do you have any apology? I'm a press person. I can help you. Sure, I'm, I'm sure, sure, sure. So can, can, can we ask why it took him almost three weeks to get here? I, I'm sorry, I don't want to do this on camera. What was his personal time off while there was a tragedy happening here? And can camera? we also ask too why it, uh, you know, he waited until President Donald Trump came here to actually make an appearance? This is a very important question that people you, across America I'm would like to I'm know. I'm happy to have a conversation with you. I do not want to be on camera. Uh, well, please put the cameras away. I'm sorry, we're on a public area, uh, so we She's are allowed as press. You guys, I would like you guys. But she should not take the job. You're not on my camera. Well, I'm on a camera. I would like your cameras to be off, and then I'm happy to talk to you guys. Piss off. You ain't turning no cameras off. Sorry about that. <laughs> happy Thursday. Oh, man. I am. Did you know he ran away? So, first off, Oh, man, I just I don't even want to give you salutations and greetings. I just want to run headfirst into this topic. Welcome to the program. It's really good to be with you this Thursday. Uh, it me, your lovable curmudgeon, Dana Lash here. We're going to there's a lot of stuff that's been happening. We're going to dive right into it. Uh, as you know, here, top of our first hour this Thursday, uh, Secretary Mayor Pothole Pete is in East Palestine and he running from people. Apparently he's running in the video, right? I'm not mischaracterizing that for the people who haven't seen the video because they're busy working to keep everybody, the world going. For the people who haven't seen the video, the dude straight up ran. He ran, right? That was running. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say, if, look, if Joe Biden can say that inflation, there is an inflation and that everything is great in the economy, I'm going to say his speed walking is running. Dude straight up ran. He ran. And he shows up. And he goes into this building because he's giving remarks, right? Or did he already give them? We've been, I don't know why it's necessary to plaster the news with these sobbing gingers on TV. I don't even know who the Murdaws are. I don't give a rant. I don't care. Don't care. I care about the fact that Secretary Poot had his comms lady doing his job. He had her go, oh, yeah, I'm the comms lady. Um, I'll answer questions. That's not good enough. People want to, you're not the one who's getting paid to make these decisions. They want to talk to they want to talk to to Pothole Pete. You're not we're not going to sit here and show up. Did you see how he was just wrapped around? And he had people all over him to insulate him from you dirty unwashed masses in East Palestine. You dirty people, you dirty grimy chemical people. 
And then he, they they rush him into this building, and she's like, I'll answer your questions. And then she proceeded to not answer questions and instead lecture people about filming her. Hi. Hi, you're, you're comms, right? So that means you went through at least some modicum amount of J school. You're going to understand that when you're in a public area and there are people there, they have every right to film you. You have no right to tell them to turn cameras off. You have no right to tell them that you're not going to get filmed. And because you're working for the taxpayer, you have no right to tell them that you're not going to do this on camera. Girl, you're going to do what they tell you to do when they tell you to do it. The end. I can't stand this. Golly. So they have all these people around him to help him not do his job and not answer questions. That's what all this is about. Who boy, man. Mm, Kudos to... uh, That reporter for grilling him, too. That's just, it's wild. Not a good look for Poot. Not a good look. So he shows up. He's escorted away. I just can't watch this video enough. He's got no fewer than like eight people around him. And I think that's one of the Daily Caller reporters who's there asking him questions, asking questions. And and she's like, I'm just not going to answer any questions. It's the counselors. It's not going to answer. My favorite part about this are the two dudes who are standing in the background laughing because that comms lady is dancing. And she's trying so hard to look pleasant, but it's one of those, she's trying to look what I call New York pleasant. It's when a New York person, and this is pretty much from get-go, they don't want to deal with you. They don't want to talk to you. And they're smiling just because they have to. And it is a pained smile. It is a smile that, that... they say it takes more muscles to frown than smile. That is not in the case of the like the, this lady. That's not in the case. Like it's taking everything. She, she's very upset about all of this stuff. She's not pleased. And then she does the hands talking, where you put your palms towards you, fingers outstretched, and you pull them down. She does that motion. When I hate that motion. When I see people doing that in a conversation with me, I just have an overwhelming urge to gnaw their fingers off like a rat. I just can't. Just stop it. Stop hands talking to people. Just let them ask. Pothole Pete, some questions. Let them ask some questions. It's all you have a press secretary who is just not talking to the press. Meanwhile, let's contrast this with Trump, who went into Audio Sound by Three. He went in there to McDonald's. This is actually funny. Listen to this. This is funny. Enjoy your meal. And we're going to get the meals for the fire department. Hello, everybody. What's your specialty today? How are you today? Nice to meet you. Hello, everybody. That's a nice, beautiful-looking group of people. So I know this menu better than you do. Okay? I probably know it better than anybody in here. Uh, we're going to take care of the fire department. Okay. We're going to take care of the police department. And what we do is all the people that are eating. So there's the difference. There's the difference. I know this menu better than you do. That is a riot. You know, because that's the thing he does like his McDays. Uh, what is it with presidents like in McDonald's? Not to compare him at all to the weirdo who is Bill Clinton, but Bill Clinton loved McDonald's. I got a story about that. He loved McDonald's. But this is the difference between the two. Poot runs in. They carry him in like he's, you know what it made me think of? They acted like, so, okay, this is a weird analogy, but just roll with me. So everybody, well, maybe you don't. Some people, I was a kid when this happened, that little girl that fell in the well, baby Jessica. So when they took baby Jessica out of the well, 
and they took her and they were running back, running to the ambulance. It was that's how they they treated him like he was baby Jessica, Pete Pothole Pete. They like they got him out of the well, and they were just running, running in, running him in. It's a weird thing. It's weird, man. But that's it's just not it is not a good look, not a good look at all. And so he toured the site. They and Lorraine noted that there is nothing. Lorraine's our moderator for the chat and is a contributor to chapter and verse over in Substack. She noted there's nothing about him at all on CNN's front page. His his visit, Pothole Pete's visit, didn't even make a blip. He just went there and said some words and looked at some stuff, didn't answer questions, had his comms lady doing his job, and then ran away. And that was it. I mean, Trump was there and was, well, he had this, audio sound by five. This is what he told Biden about East Palestine. Listen. Oh, hey, thank you, sir. Thank you for your service. What's your message to Joe Biden before you leave? Thank you. Get over here. Get over here. That's your message. Get over here. I like one of the things that he said, too, is that um, he was... He said he brought he brought Trump water and then also less quality water. <laughs> I had to find that. I swear to you, that's what that's one of the things he said. He brought, <laughs> one of my favorite things. He's like, I brought Trump water and also less quality water. <laughs> oh my gosh! But he was there. He like showed up and brought you know stuff and was handing out hats and all that things and you know all that stuff. Meanwhile, here you have Juan's got the latest from Pothole Pete. Some of uh, here's 45 seconds of Pothole Pete's remarks there after he went and looked at some stuff. We can get work done. Yeah. That's exactly why we're here. That's why we've been here from the first hours of the incident as an administration. And it's why our interest, both in what happened here in East Palestine and in keeping our railroads safe doesn't go away when some other uh, hot news story uh, comes into the headlines. Oh my We're going to be here day in, day out, year in, year out, making our railroads safer and making sure Norfolk Southern meets its responsibilities. That is a promise and one I take very, very The seriously. only reason that he's there is because Trump went there. That is the only reason that any of these people are there is because Trump went there. They're not there for any other reason. They were not going to go out until they were forced, shamed into doing so. So, I mean, clearly you can see the difference in reception. And clearly, Pothole Pete can see that his political future is DOA. That dude is cooked. That goose is well done. It is, I mean, there's no way coming back. I just, I really cannot stand him. I don't think I, I don't even, you know how I make the differentiation? Well, I don't like them. I don't like their policies, but I'm sure they're a great person. There's no, I don't find any redeeming quality about this guy. He doesn't even seem nice as a person. I mean, to say nothing of his policies. Well, we've been here day in and day out. He said a bunch of nothing. You weren't there. Y'all had a, they had a, they had a scream to get FEMA to get involved. The EPA has been slow. What are you guys talking about? I mean, were you like taking a government jet to go watch another game? Like, what do you, because that's not what's been happening. Y'all didn't do nothing. And this is one of the things that Lorraine had noted too, and she shared this chemical engineering news. Listen to this. 
the Ohio train derailment raises more questions because scientists and residents, they're asking questions about the quality of the testing behind these assurances that the government is giving. Because what they're saying is that, well, we don't know if what, how you're using, how you're doing this is, is how you're measuring this is maybe the, the best. Peter DiCarlo, an associate professor, professor in the Department of Environmental Health and Engineering at John Hopkins White Whitting School of Engineering, says it's apparent from the details released by the EPA that the testing before the lifting of the evacuation order in East Palestine was done with handheld monitors that provide real-time measurements of volatile organic compounds such as, uh, as a class. Such monitors, says DiCarlo, can provide false negative readings. He studies air pollution. He adds, quote, part of the problem is that the monitors are not sensitive enough to measure the low concentrations needed for understanding health impact, and they are not measuring for specific chemicals. DiCarlo says aerial testing undertaken by the EPA on February 7th, the day after a controlled release and burn of vinyl chloride in five rail cars, provided more useful information by mapping out downward chemical plumes. But he says, Most of the air monitoring data he has seen is from tests performed on the ground in East Palestine. He said, as an atmospheric chemist and environmental engineer, I would want to sample upwind of the site at the accident site itself and downwind of the accident site. It's that kind of measurement setup that would provide key information for understanding the emissions. He says, I haven't seen any samples taken at the site. Most of the air sampling has been from in East Palestine, which is understandable. He goes, it's a town where people live, but that doesn't tell us about the downwind impacts. He said it doesn't tell us about any continuing emissions from the site. So they're not, they're not answering a question. They don't answer any of it. There's a guy who was asking whether or not his ground was safe to plant, and they wouldn't even answer him. I mean, this is crazy. And then you got Secretary Poot out there telling everybody, well, no, the government hasn't been out there. We have a lot more on the way because in addition to this, we have uh, some tech. The Supreme Court is really skeptical of limiting power, a powerful legal shield for Internet companies. We're talking about Section 230. Uh, We've got this. The Oversight Committee wants details on where money went in Ukraine. And this comes after Janet Yellen is saying that we need to send even more money over now. So we have this for you. We have some anti-woke a whole bunch of stuff that you don't want to miss. And we're going to keep, uh, we got all the latest, all the latest stuff. Thanks to your support, Patriot Mobile has emerged as one of the leaders in the parallel economy, and they have big news. Patriot Mobile now offers service with all three major networks. This means if you're with the big three and like the service but hate their values, you can access them with Patriot Mobile. They also offer a performance guarantee. So if you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch between the three major carriers for free. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, offers nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks. So you get the same great service while supporting a company that fights to preserve our God-given rights and freedoms. Resolve now to stop supporting companies that don't align with your values. The Patriot Mobile 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Just visit PatriotMobile.com Dana or call them at 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Dana. That's PatriotMobile.com Dana or call 878-PATRIOT. PatriotMobile.com Dana or call 878-PATRIOT. 
period. It's time to embrace the suck. Continually worrying about your investments dipping while the market remains extremely volatile? Pay attention to the companies where your money is located. Is it time to reevaluate your financial decisions or just continue to embrace the suck? Check out the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. So, apparently... A study finds finds that woke people are not smart. And you knew that because you are smart. It's this whole thing called higher cognitive ability, less concern for political correctness. Uh, and it, uh, is a, it's a British study. By the way, I totally robbed you of headlines here because I did not shut up in the last segment. It is totally my bad. Uh, also, the Department of Defense tells soldiers to stop eating poppy seeds like on bagels and stuff and pastries and muffins because that can lead to a positive drug test. I've heard of that before with poppy seeds. It's a real thing. Texas A&M is uh, rolling back on any kind of DEI, which is awesome. They say it's destructive, and they're taking the lead in college considerations. Stay with us. So Valentine's Day may be over, but the need to say I love you is never over. You can say I love you over and over again with a meat subscription from Good Ranchers. Over 85% of grass-fed beef sold in stores is imported from overseas. That doesn't say I love you. What does say I love you is 100% American hand trimmed steakhouse quality meat and seafood delivered right to your door. Right now, use Codena to get $30 off when you order any box from Good Ranchers. Ditch the usual gifts and say I love you with a subscription to American Meat instead. Snag your $30 off with my Codena at GoodRanchers.com today. With the 100% satisfaction guarantee, you can count on your monthly delivery of meat to always deliver the quality a great gift needs. Forget flower deliveries. Set up an easy, affordable, and delicious subscription to American meat delivered today by goodranchers.com and save $30 with code Dana. Say you're the best with the best meat in America from goodranchers.com. Good Ranchers American Meat delivered. Listen to the Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. You mentioned a national political figure who's decided to get involved. It sounds like you're talking about Trump and then you said I need your help. How can he help? Well, one thing he could do is uh, uh, express support for reversing the deregulation uh, that uh, happened on his watch. I heard him say he had nothing to do with it, even though it was in his administration. Uh, So if he had nothing to do with it and uh, they did it in his administration against his will, uh, maybe he could come out and say that uh, uh, that uh, he supports us moving in a different direction. We're not afraid to own our policies when it comes to raising the bar on regulation. And uh, I've got to think that uh, uh, him indicating that this is uh, something that everybody, no matter how much you disagree on politics and presidential campaigns, can get behind. Higher fines, tougher uh, uh, regulations on safety, Congress untying our hands on breaking rules, all the other things that go with that. That'd be a nice thing for him to do. So here's the problem with with Secretary Poot's answer here. It's full of garbage and it's not accurate. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. Bottom of our second our first hour, actually. Uh, we I talked about was this last week that we talked about this and we were explaining how it wasn't this right. What Trump did with the regulation revolve regarding um, uh, brakes has nothing to do with a broken axle because that's ultimately what happened. You had. You had a a broken axle that had nothing to do with the regulation that Trump was rolled back, that rolled back on his watch during his administration. I mean, 
If you're going to go, if you look, if you're going to go after him about something, then make it accurate. Otherwise, you're just going to lose, you know, you got one chance, man. If you're going to, you know, if you're going to go for the, the head, then you best not miss. It's kind of, you know, sort of the way it is with this stuff. You can't just sit here and, and mess stuff up. He doesn't know what he's talking about, though. I mean, the damn thing's on video, people. I mean, there's a reason why the sparks and the axle was broken. They can tell the axle overheated and was broken. It reached a critical level, 253 degrees Fahrenheit. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the latest from the local news. The engineers put out uh, another statement. They were saying that, you know, it doesn't matter what you do with the brakes if your axle's broken. I mean, this is, and that's exactly what happened. So that had nothing to do with his regulation as it pertained to brakes. And also, didn't his regulation have to do with, like, oil and not chemicals? Now, that might be, you know, like picking nits to you, but or, or, or you know, just cherry or whatever. But that is important because if you're going to sit here and invoke certain regulations, well, this regulation wouldn't be invoked in the situation. That's number one. Number two, who is saying these words? Pothole Pete. Yeah. What position does he have? Transportation secretary. What power does the transportation secretary have? They have the ability to roll these back and work with Congress. Apparently, he didn't think it was important enough to do a damn thing about it. He was too busy taking months, plural, months, five times the amount that an average dude gets when he leaves to care for his newborn. And these are babies that that Poot didn't even have and wasn't even around nine months for. So he was MIA. And according to all the FOIA requests, refusing to even talk to lawmakers about important stuff, Democrats and Republicans. So he's going to sit here and try to shirk off any kind of culpability onto the previous administration. And then he had said that Trump said he had nothing to do with it. Trump was talking about the regulations. And again, if, if Pete was so upset about it, I mean, good grief, he is the transportation secretary. I mean, couldn't he have said, couldn't he have done something? Or, you know, maybe, check out this. I just dropped this in. This just came from his thing. I just, holy wow. Can you just listen? I need you guys to listen to this audio soundbite. This is just rich. Both information and misinformation injected into this situation. None of which is to the benefit of the community uh, when it comes to that misinformation. So I think... So I lost my train of thought. Um, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. He lost his train of thought. I can't, guys. Man, I just can't. Oh. So, hmm. Hmm. Need a moment. That was that was a lot, but that his soundbite again back to that soundbite was that's uh, that's him desperately, desperately, desperately trying to pass the buck. He reversed the deregulation. That had nothing to do with this. This was a broken axle. You couldn't even ask Pete to if you. I double dog dare someone to drag him over to a train and be like, show us the axle. You know he can't do it. He's going to have his comms lady run out there and do his job for him. That's what he'll do. I just don't, man, and see, here's the thing. They know that not, that reporters don't know this stuff. 
they don't know like what questions to ask. They don't, you know, not everybody knows train stuff. You know, you, you can't sit here and predict what's going to be in the news. And then, and then if someone's not an expert on something like that, I mean, this is, you know, train mechanics. But, and apparently there are a lot of people who work in the railroad that listen to this program. Because I, everyone, you guys were like screaming, Axel. <laughs> and it's true because that's, that's, that's what this was. Play this other one because he's talking about, um, this is so goofy. This is a dumb sound bite. This is dumb from him. He's just, he's just dancing here. The country should be wrapping their arms around the people of East Palestine, not as a political football, not as an ideological flap, uh, flashpoint, not as a gotcha moment, but as thousands of human beings whose lives got upended through no end, through no fault of their own. Uh, and I think that includes visits, not just big official visits from the government, but just people who've seen the news and whose hearts go out to the community here and can come here, come here on a day like this when the sun is shining or on a rainy day and shop in those shops and visit those businesses. Um, it is safe to visit here, as all of us can attest, even while we're still horrible. making sure that he it stays so safe bad. to live here. He's just not good. He's like the annoying dude whose parents told him that he was great when he wasn't. Don't tell your kids that they've done something great when they haven't. Because then you get this guy. Like, if your kid sucks at something, you got to tell them. You just suck at this. It's not being mean. It's so that they don't turn up and then one day be in the Department of Transportation and make everything worse because they can't do their job because they had an inflated sense of ego due to their bad parenting. Don't do that. Be like, look, Pete, you really don't have any marketable skills. So you need to go find something to do to where you can be valuable. I don't know. Figure something out. And I was reading this piece from a Politico. Ready? Buttigieg world frustrated at GOP attacks over train wreck. One senior Democrat said Pete Buttigieg has taken a lot of bullets for the president on this. That's his job, slick. Now, granted, Biden picked him, so he's just as bad. But it has to do with tra- you. All, you you didn't actually think you were going to have to get dirty, did you? You didn't actually think you were going to have to do some work. I can't even deal. Yeah, that's how they're putting it. Oh. It's a source of... Guys. Wow. Kane, I may need in you. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh, blood pressure rising. Mm, rage increasing. God, <laughs> mm, I'm taking some deep breaths here. Gonna have to go and find my happy place in the Orinoco flow, Kane. I need some Orinoco oh. flow. I'm pulling it up now. Oh, my gosh. The rage is just increasing ever higher. Wreck. A train wreck. He's taking a lot of bullets with the president on this. Okay, let's just find our happy place. We're floating in the Orinoco flow, folks. The sweet tones of Enya. We're taking deep breaths here. This also reminds me of a lemonade commercial in the 90s that I used to watch when I would stay at home in the summer as a latchkey kid. Just a little Enya. There we go. We're in the Orinoco flow now. All right, rage subsiding, blood pressure dropping. Okay, I think we averted a disaster here, guys. That was almost really bad. That was really bad. Okay. 
Hmm. So the uh, Politico piece, it says, people in Buttigieg's orbit admit to being exasperated by the Fuhrer, saying nobody asked him about the derailment in any of the 23 media interviews. He could, they're counting these. They're counting them for the love. During the interviews he conducted during the first 10 days after the accident, and then people blasted him for not speaking sooner. Well, okay, yeah, I guess the 10th day is the first 10 days. Posting it on Twitter doesn't count. I guess day 10 is the first 10 days. Notice how they said the first 10 days. They didn't say the first days, the first 10 days. He did 23 interviews. Oh, he did 23 interviews? He had 23 times that he had to sit for a couple of minutes and answer some questions. And all in all, it probably amounted to still under an hour. Oh, gosh, your life is so hard. Really, you thought you would actually have to work. Really cuts into personal time, doesn't it? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, cuts into personal time there. Mm. Don't intrude on Poot's personal time. That's his, uh, you know, oh, 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 personal time Pete. PTP, new name. It's not Secretary Mayor Poot anymore. We are officially retiring that. Note it. It's not Secretary Mayor Poot anymore. It is PTP, personal time Pete. Mm-hmm. So, you know, PTP needed some PT. You do not, you do not, ladies and gentlemen, infringe upon PTP's PT. That's just not the way it is. You can't do it. He's got to have that PT. He's got to have it. I love how they go, there's an effort by Fox News and Republicans, and then they're talking about Internet conservatives later on. They said it's, they're using it as a political weapon. Wait, just because your complete ineptitude looks bad for you doesn't mean it was used as a weapon because people called it out. Don't you dare call out our bad incompetency. We're going to mischaracterize that and say that it was used as a weapon. Your incompetency is a weapon. No one has to use it. It's the not using it that made it a weapon. I really don't like him. You know who he is? He's the guy who goes to Whole Foods and buys things that you could buy at like Kroger or Aldi's and spends five times more for it so he can walk out with his Whole Foods bag and feel better about himself. He can virtue signal with a brand, right? He's the guy that wears comfortable loafers. And he probably irons his pillowcases. And that's the limit of the work he does. He only will do enough work to A, make himself comfortable, and B, maintain his, whatever his perceived influences, influence is in the eyes of the status quo. That is the limit to what he does. He's that guy. He's the guy that doesn't put away a shopping cart. He's that guy. He's the guy that probably doesn't tip extra. That's PTP, part-time Pete, or personal-time Pete. Mm-mm-mm. We have more to come, folks. Oh, my gosh, I haven't even gotten through. Where have I been in this hour? I really don't like this guy. You guys are going to have to really help me not to just hate on him for three hours because then it'll be mean, and I have a tendency to do that. So, whew. 
Black Rifle Coffee Company set out on a mission to make the best cup of coffee that's ever hit your mug. And I think they've hit that mission straight on. Their dream has been to sell enough premium coffee to build a support network for veterans, first responders, and law enforcement. And thanks to your support, that dream has come true. Black Rifle Coffee is roasted by a veteran-led team of brilliant coffee graders who work tirelessly to roast and bag the highest quality coffee here in America. And the coffee is truly one of a kind and my favorite. Your support has helped Black Rifle Coffee Company expand their team of active duty service members, veterans, and veteran family members. And they were able to donate over 120,000 bags of coffee to veterans and first responders in 2022. Visit blackriflecoffee.com Dana and use my code Dana at checkout for 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash Dana. Use code Dana and also look for Black Rifle Coffee in grocery and convenience stores. Black Rifle Coffee, America's coffee. Red meat, black coffee, truth telling. The Dana Show. In retrospect, should you have come a little sooner? So, again, uh, in terms of the timing of the visit, I'm trying to strike the right balance, uh, allowing NTSB to play its role, but making sure we're here in that show of support. Hmm. So you have personal time Pete, who's dressed up like Bob the Builder, visiting East Palestine. So natural, doesn't it? How do you do, fellow construction people? I, too, own tools. (laughs) I recently purchased a screwdriver. With less orange juice. Exactly. That's that's him. He shows up like he's... Act, he looks like a guy who was given the hard hat to wear and he has no idea what the hell's happening here. Right. He looks... That's him. He's that guy. He's like, I don't know what's going on. I have no clue. He has no clue. He's standing there listening like, yes, I understand these things you're telling me about fixing trains and building things. It's perfect. I understand it. Golly. I just... My gosh, I don't, man, I'm telling you what, telling you what, what, what. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. So he, his visit hasn't gone well. Let's just put it like that. His visit has not gone well. The, it's actually incredibly, I mean, it's kind of funny. It's funny, but it's sad because it, you know, it didn't have to be like this. And he's trying to, he's trying to, I guess, convey this narrative that he's been out there and been involved in this this whole time, which is, we all know that's not true. He hasn't been there this whole time. That's not in any way accurate. <sighs> Somebody made the point he's out there talking to all those white construction workers that he despises. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Do you think that he said, he's like Karen from Mean Girls. Why are all of you white? Why are all of you construction workers white? I'm surprised he didn't say that. I Actually, do you think he did? Why are all of you construction workers white? Personal time, Pete. There you go. Oh, man, this is never going to end. I'm going to, oh, man, I'm going to have so much fun with this. All right, so coming up, uh, we've got Wokery. I've got Ukraine. Apparently, Janet Yellen's like, we need to send more of the money to Ukraine for what I don't know. We're going to talk about that. We got a whole lot of stuff to hit, so you don't want to miss that second hour on the way. 
and a postscript. In my interview last Friday with Vice President Harris, I was imprecise in summarizing Governor DeSantis's position about teaching slavery in schools. Governor DeSantis is not opposed to teaching the fact of slavery in schools, but he has opposed the teaching of an African-American studies curriculum, as well as the use of some authors and source materials that historians and teachers say makes it all but impossible for students to understand the broader historic and political context behind slavery and its aftermath in the years since. She's not imprecise. She lied through her teeth. That's Andrea Mitchell uh, over at MSNBC. She wasn't imprecise. She completely lied. Welcome back to the program. Top of your second hour, Dana Lash here. Here's the problem uh, with Mitchell, and this was not an apology. First off, when she was talking to Harris, what she was saying is that uh, her question was, quote, what does Governor Ron DeSantis not know when he says that slavery in the aftermath should not be taught to school children? That was the way she asked her question when she interviewed Kamala Harris. And this was back like on February 16th or 17th. That was the way that she had asked the question. And that is absolutely false. I mean, first and foremost, the the Stop Woke Act in Florida explicitly mandates the teaching of everything from slavery, the Civil War, uh, Jim Crow, everything. It mandates the teaching about all of that. But they want to use actual historians and they want to be correct about things like you would expect any kind of academic institution or any kind of academic curriculum to do. So they, it already mandates the explicit teaching of all of this. What Andrea Mitchell is glossing over is that curriculum that talks about people having sex with other people who are of the same gender and how they have sex in nitty gritty detail. That is neither an African-American history course It's not an American history course. It's not any kind of historical academic. It is literally just propaganda, and it is inappropriate as curriculum for school kids. I cannot even discuss some of the materials with you on air because I will get fined in hundreds of markets for violating the Federal Communications Decency Act. It will be considered to be indecent. I'll have complaints from program directors all over the country. Now, if I can't even talk to you about some of this stuff, why in the hell are we teaching it to junior high and high schoolers? This is asinine. And then they try to cover their backsides by saying, oh, this is black history. I guess you hate black people. Tell me how putting a strap on and engaging in in, in, uh, sexual times with a person of the same sex is black history. Anybody want to, seriously, somebody just wager a guess. What do you think? This is what I'm talking about. And if you're shocked at what I'm saying here, don't let your shock overwhelm your concern for the fact that this is what is being pushed. And if you're shocked, that means maybe you were unaware that that is exactly what they're pushing. This is wild. It's just wild that it's presented this way. And so we're not having this conversation. We're not going to sit here. We're not teaching this stuff. We're not teaching things like genderqueer. We're not doing all that and all that stuff, those books. So we're not, we're not getting into, you know, the Karl Marxist theory and using everything that they can as a way to stoke division and try to use them as, as waypoints to divide the classes. We're not doing this stuff.
they're saying, look, you have to actually engage in real academic. This has to be actual academics. This can't be just like propaganda. It can't be sexual indoctrination. Uh, we, we can't do any of this stuff. That's not, that's not what we're doing. And so they're, they're freaking out. And Andrea Mitchell, I was imprecise. Imprecise. Wow, that word is doing a lot of heavy lifting. Imprecise? You lied. And so then they got mad because DeSantis's people said, we're not going to do any more interviews with you. We're not doing any interviews at all whatsoever with MSNBC. We're going to take a step back. Because CNN reached out. Everybody was reaching out. They were saying, you know, we're right. We're where are you blocking the teaching of uh, <clears throat> excuse me, African-American history courses in Florida? Seriously? Man, y'all don't want to push me to, to actually share or just get as close as I can to sharing. You know how sometimes some of my bad Florida man stories I can't even talk about? This is worse. Some of this stuff is worse. I just, it's crazy. And then, and then they're trying to push it as being somehow um, in any way remotely academic. And why are people, you know what, what, and I've seen a lot of people do this. The lack of concern for the absence of an educational push in this for black students. I mean, you're not, this is not, these are not academics. Why, why do black students have to be underserved by this progressive BS? Why do they have to be underserved because you want to sit here and talk to them about, I can't even say some of this stuff. You want to sit here and talk to them about some of the stuff that they want, that you're trying to push and act like it's academics. And why, where, where's the concern for their actual academic well-being? I'm telling you what. But that's how they've been. And they've been trying to just, I mean, this has been going, they're, they're like, oh, banning books, banning this. No, having parents approve books that are go in their kids' libraries, that's a big deal. I, I mean, I've seen these books. I've seen them. I can't even believe these books have ever made it into these kids' libraries. It is so wild. And... To, to try to represent it as being normal, that's just weird. Stop it. Has nothing to do. So this is a couple of things here. Because I have a lot still to get into. But this, I get aggravated about this. One last thing. I get aggravated about it because I really, if you want to have a discussion of racism and division, let's talk about how we have progressives that want to teach black students about how dudes have sex with each other or chicks have sex with each other uh, instead of teaching them about actual, like, you know, academics. Why do progressives, why are they hell bent on underserving minorities in education in the United States? Just like they, how they reduced, this was like what, 10 years ago when they reduced the mathematical, uh, mathematical testing because there were some minority students who were having difficulty with uh it was like standardized testing with mathematics and they wanted to lower the bar so that's they instead of doing your job better and exploring these students full potential because they all have the potential to meet this instead of doing your job and teaching better instead of doing your job and making sure these kids can meet these testing requirements you're just going to lower the bar and dumb it down because you have zero expectation of their ability to do better if you want to have a discussion about bigotry there it is 
The left does this every single time. They just lower the standards. Well, if everyone's dumb, then it's equal. No, you're a bigot because you think everyone's dumb. Now, I got a couple of other things here as well to get into. We've been following the East Palestine because personal time Pete went and made a visit and it did not go well at all. Not at all. Now, in the meantime, this situation with Ukraine and now Janet Yellen thinks that we should be giving more money to Ukraine. She says like about $10 billion in some economic assistance. That'll, she says, that'll be, that'll be good. That can, that can be what we do. This is uh, audio soundbite 16. Listen to this. Economic assistance is making Ukraine's resistance possible by supporting the home front, funding critical public services, and helping keep the government running. In the coming months, we expect to provide around $10 billion in additional economic support for Ukraine. Putin himself thought he would achieve a victory at minimal cost, in the words of CIA Director Bill Burns. One year later, Putin's war has been a strategic failure for the Kremlin. Ukraine still stands. Just $10 billion more, that's all. Just some 10, just, you know, you probably got it in your couch cushions, don't you? Just $10 billion more, that's okay. Just, you know, a couple 10 million more. For economic assistance. I mean, how much have we given? It's been... 200 plus. Yeah, 200 plus billion dollars that we've given them thus far. Now, the Oversight Committee says they would like some details on where all of this money is going. They said they would... This was Philip Wegman at Real Clear Politics. Says that the Oversight Committee is demanding an account of all economic and military aid to Ukraine. And you have James Comer, who's the chair of House Oversight Committee. He said, save all your receipts. The committee wants every single internal communication, quote, regarding any economic assistance for programs for the Ukrainian government and to turn over similar regarding any anti-corruption efforts as they relate to both financial and military aid. And they have the, I mean, they have the, I mean, they're the power of the purse. This is the house. They have every right to demand this stuff on behalf of the people. So where's this, where's all, where's all of this going? Million dollar question. So no one knows. That's the thing. No one has any idea where it's going. $10 billion. Over out of the 200, where's, what's the 200 billion something been used for? I don't think anybody knows. And we had, I mean, he goes over there. We had no, uh, at all. There was no plan that was given. There was no nothing in the coming months. $10 billion. Good heavens. So what is that, like a military aid package? That's one of the things that they were, they were talking about. Because Biden, essentially, and this was from Reuters, had already prom- had promised new military aid for Ukraine worth about $500 million. And that was just what he promised when he went over there. Promised new military aid for Ukraine worth $500 million. Wow. So that's just, it just keeps going up and up and up and up and up. Now, do we know where, we know, we don't, we don't know where anything is going. We don't know if they've, if it's purchased weapons. We don't know what it's, if it's, you know, we have no clue. 
None. None at all. 200 plus something billion. And then there's the thought that we're paying for, you know, basically the government, Ukrainian Ukrainian government and for all of their executives, etc. Because we're told in some instances, oh, well, it's keeping this open. It's keeping Biden said that it's going to allow this is what he said on aid to Ukraine. This was on uh, February 17th. He said, quote, it's going to allow pensions and social support to be paid to the Ukrainian people. So they have something in their pocket. He's he's guaranteed we're paying for people's pensions. We're paying for pensions. Not here. Not here, but you know, there. We're paying for pensions. We're gonna play this for you here coming up. We got headlines on the way as well. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. The Missouri Attorney General has given to St. Louis prosecutor Kim Gardner less than 24 hours, fewer than 24 hours to resign or get the boot. AG Andrew Bailey has given St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner the ultimatum. You resign by noon today or we will remove you from office. Bailey announced the news on Twitter, which is a social media platform that politicians routinely announce news on all of the progressives in St. Louis that are freaking out about him being on Twitter when they don't care at all about their Democrat officials. He shared it on Twitter in a brief series of tweets uh, posted yesterday evening saying that he was going to oust her himself if she would not leave voluntarily. He says, we're giving Gardner till noon. Now, you guys remember Kim Gardner. I mean, she was there. I mean, golly, what has she not been involved in? Incredibly, incredibly corrupt, Soros-backed uh, prosecutor. So she says that, uh, I mean, I think obviously kind of took her by surprise, I think. But she's been people, she needed to go for a really, really long time. Uh, I mean, this is, this is, I mean, this is, man, this is some failed. Now, what's interesting is that she wasn't the only one to criticize Gardner. Democratic St. Louis Mayor Tashara Jones also did. She told Gardner, you need to reevaluate your priorities in a tweet that she shared Wednesday afternoon. She said the system has failed and she pointed at Gardner for it. So knives are sharpening everywhere. Wow. Uh, A man dressed as a seven-foot male copulatory organ has been arrested in Rio de Janeiro for harassing women. The man was in an inflatable phallus costume a seven-foot-tall costume. Military police arrested the man. He was, uh, well, he he was wearing that and a pair of flip-flops, and he was uh, led away peacefully by an officer. It was the Frank and Beans. The officers looked bemused. Now, granted, Carnival is happening right now, so I don't know. But he was harassing people, women at Carnival. So just, you know, there you go. Uh, a family is being slammed for what they say, what's been described as a Disney ride hack, a hack. Uh, they said that they post regular. This family posts regularly about going on Disney, and they said that they they have problems getting kids that aren't tall enough on rides, and so they basically are cheating. And people are saying you're putting your kids in harm's way, which I would agree. Stay with us. Of all your favorite talk hosts, one of these is not like the others. The Dana Show. Sorry, Pete. Uh-huh. I just have a quick question. Uh, the American public doesn't seem to be very confident in your ability to do your job. Will you be resigning anytime soon? Yeah, I'm not here for politics. I'm here to make sure the community can get what they need. Will you apologize? Just, uh, I, I want to be will you apologize for the response? Uh, so for the slow response I'm taking your time? One of the big things. Let's, let's go in here and get away from No, no apology. <laughs> let's go. No, let's get away from here. Oh my gosh! Welcome back to the program. It's a reporter saying, "Hey, are you going to apologize or resign?" Over your response 
Anise Palestine, are you are you gonna do any of that? Welcome back to the program. Your lovable curmudgeon here, little little Thomas the Tank rolling in personal time. Pete, I, is it worse, better or worse, for the administration that he went out there, that Poot went out there? Kane, do you think is it better? Has it improved anyone's perspective of the federal government's? Involvement, or has it made it worse because it's Pete and he's so incompetent? No, I can't see any improvement. I do know that there were a lot of food, water, and less quality water donated by Trump, uh, but We're nothing, nothing direct from the government yet. Outside of the NTSB, they just had a live uh, presser on it. Um, I don't see how people can change their perspective on the slow response by the federal government. It just is what it is. Hmm. Uh yeah i mean it it uh, i just don't i just can't see how anyone thinks that this is like like a good idea for any uh, how this is helping them at all play that uh soundbite that you found because trump went he was there he visited the folks at mcdonald's he's like i know this menu better than you and then he went, he was giving everybody water. But I, we were rolling over this because I told you guys that that was a real audio soundbite when he was like, we brought some Trump water and some less quality water. But listen, this is so funny. Incredible people that uh, helped us because we're bringing thousands of bottles of water, Trump water, actually, most of it. Uh, some of it, we had to go to a much lesser quality water. <laughs> you want to get those Trump bottles, I think, more than anybody else. I love it. It's so funny. He's funny. You know, the, the Trump's biggest downside are the, some of the people he chooses to be around him. More than him. More than anything he could do. For real. It's the, some of the people that he picks to be around him. Faux show. The, uh, but that's hysterical. He was, and he brought all kinds of stuff. Brought water and went out and bought, like, made sure everybody, what did he say? How did he say it was an array of McDonald's? Strong with McDonald's. Love McDonald's. Why do they hate on McDonald's? You know what the media does? They hate. Have you noticed this? Because they think that that's poor people food. That's what they think. They think that that's lowbrow poor people food, don't they? I, that's what I think they do. Like, remember when he, what team was it, Kane, that he had at the White House? And they had like uh, uh, quarter pounders on the silver trays and all that stuff and they had like boxes and boxes of, it was like a charcuterie of McD's. Yeah. The McD charcuterie. Oh my gosh, you can have that for free. <laughs> Actually, you can't. Trademark, I'm going to trademark your trademark. My idea. Yeah. Right. The, the Mickey D charcuterie. They could do that, you know, for like parties and stuff and Super Bowl. Get your Mickey D charcuterie. And it's like all of your elegantly displayed burgers and fries. And yeah, get them t the little baby tendies. Get them baby tendies. Yeah. <laughs> he said that they had an array of McDonald's. But we, he had that. What sports team was it that he had? I mean, I don't care. But you all remember that he had. It was like some after. Was it, it wasn't Super Bowl or something, was it? No, it was a baseball team or something. I don't remember. So, the internet will tell me. But anyway, and he had, uh, he had all the McDonald's out there. All the McDonald's. And he had he took pictures with it because they had, you know, right before everybody came in, uh, he had he was posing for photos with all of it. Clemson Tigers. <coughs> Trump served the Clemson Tiger football team, Wendy's and McDonald's. And he loves himself the McDonald's. I do know that like because I, I, I know when I 
So the very first time that I met him, because I've known Trump for like over a decade, he used to be on the radio show all the time. Uh, back when, like he would, you know, New, like when he was uh, still up in New York and he opened uh, that, re- they redid that post office up there and turned that into a hotel and did all this and he'd come on and talk about it and all that uh, because Stone is a mutual friend. And he was on like after, you know, right when he was thinking about uh, running for president, when he was at CPAC, I introduced him at CPAC. And then when I first met him in person, when I introduced him at CPAC, that was the first time I met him in person. And I had gone in, I shook his hand, said hello, you know, he's real nice, he's huge, huge, tall guy. And because I'm, you know, it's me, this is before lockdown. So lockdown made me not a germaphobe as bad, but before lockdown, because out of spite, before lockdown, it was nuts. Chris is like, it's like traveling with Michael Jackson, which doesn't sound as good as you might think. Um, That sounds bad, actually, but the germaphobe stuff. Anyway, so I had a business jacket on and I had a little thing a hand sanitizer in my inside pocket and after I shook his hand Chris asked him something and I just turned I thought I was being real discreet and I turned and I get my hand sanitizer out and I pop open the cap which popped open so loud the caps on those Purells are like pop loudest cap ever like when you open the cap and you're trying to be you know discreet about it it's like you're dirty pop just touch the dirty person pop I mean it's that loud and I'm getting ready to put it in my palm and then I just realized in that split second what that looked like i had just shaken trump's hand and then i'm putting purell on my hand and i turned to look at him i go it's not you and i I just said i go it's not you it's me i go you want some and he's like i i didn't think you were gonna ask (laughs) because he's a huge germaphobe too i learned that day um and so we had like a they had the purell moment and um it was funny but he did say because we were had a, I can't remember. We were talking about something. Like, we had, there was a dinner that we were at, and he had said something about McDonald's there. He loves McDonald's. And one of the guys is with him. One of the guys with him said, yeah, we'll swing by. Before they get on the plane, they were going to go to McDonald's before they got on the plane. That's But he loves McDonald's. Some of the other presidents were like that, too. Like, I think um, Bush liked McDonald's. I think, uh, well, I know Clinton liked McDonald's. When I was in uh, high school, I was a junior in high school. Junior, sophomore, junior. Anyway, it was fall, and uh, I just remember, you know, it was crazy with sports, all this stuff, and everyone was freaking out. All of my friends who worked part-time after school at McDonald's were freaking out, and this was McDonald's off of Jeffco Boulevard, or off of, uh, I think it was off of 141 in Arnold, Missouri, and that was because they had some dark-suited guys who came into McDonald's, and they were doing, they were advancing because Clinton was coming into town. And Clinton always hits a McDonald's. And so three of my friends were like, we couldn't go. We didn't go to work today. They told us not to come into work after school because, oh, my gosh, they're, you know, he's going to. And he was like coming in the next day. So they had to shut. They went and didn't advance and they came back and then they went and shut it down and all this stuff. And one of my friends actually got to work there. He was on fry duty when he came in and we were too young. You know, we were too. And I was raised in a Democrat town. With Democrat family. So, you know, you just know when you're a teenager and you got somebody famous coming into McDonald's and you're in Arnold, Missouri, it's a big deal. No matter who it is. And my, they actually barked at my friend because my friend was like putting fries in the box and he was like, I almost dropped them all over the floor because I couldn't stop looking at everything. It was crazy. And do you know how weird it is to be super professional? He's like, my thing was I got to put fries on the tray. 
And it was like, that's the, he's like, that's the best fry pudding on the tray that I'm ever going to do in my life. I'm putting fries on the tray. It's just so funny. Anyway, back to my story though. So Trump gets, he's got Wendy's, he's got McDonald's, it's a charcuterie of Mickey D's, it's in between the beautiful gold candelabras. And on the silver trays, expertly assorted. And everyone comes in, he gets a picture with all of them. All Clemson Tigers in there. So he goes, he's in the McDonald's. Go ahead and play this. He goes up to the McDonald's in East Palestine. He's getting ready to order for all the fire department, everybody. The, what is it? The police, the fire department, I guess everybody else in the, in the restaurant. I guess the owner of that franchise was in there with him too. This was funny. Listen to this. Enjoy your meal and we're going to get the meals for the fire department. Hello, everybody. What's your specialty today? How are you today? Nice to meet you. Hello, everybody. That's a nice, beautiful looking group of people. So I know this menu better than you do. Okay? I probably know it better than anybody in here. Uh, we're going to take care of the fire department. Okay. We're going to take care of the police department. And what we do is all the people that are eating. Like right I'm now. the owner, Mr. Tr- Mr. Oh, President. So Howard. I don't have to give you. That's right. That's a good one to own, right? Yes, it is. One of the best. So we're going to take care of the fire force. Plus the people that are in here, they're going to get a nice free meal. All right? Thank you, everybody. Thank you. You can tell whenever he's been in Florida because he doesn't wear the tie. When he's in New York, he would wear the tie. When he's in Florida and he's more, he doesn't wear the tie. It's like, that's the difference between casual and, and business with him, is the tie. That's it. Everything else is the same. <laughs> it's just tie or no tie. Business or casual. Uh, now, uh, Lorraine has been keeping us updated. And as you know, she moderates the the chat that happens over on YouTube and is a contributor, chapter and verse, of the ongoing NTSB they're on the ground. Everything in East Palestine. They have. Uh, they they came out with a preliminary report. Now, what they're saying is that it was the hot axle and the plastic pellets that started the fire. So they had. I guess it was what. Uh, it's happened with two engines at the front. The third engine at car one ten. Uh, car twenty three held plastic pellets. So it was the hot axle, the broken axle, and the plastic pellets that started the fire. Now, when the critical temperature is at 200, when it passed the sensor, a second sensor, it was still in the 100s. But when it passed sensor three, that's when the temperature had elevated to over 250 degrees and the crew started slowing the train. They said the crew responded immediately, but the axle broke. And then when the axle broke, the axle's overheating. When it breaks, the bearing fails, the car derailed. And so they say the crew is not to blame. NTSB had no role in the controlled burn. They did have some guidance. And they said some of the tankers that drilled had cooking oil. And they're, insp- they're inspecting everything, the wheel, the bearing, and all this other stuff. But the thing is that, you know, when, when Buttigieg was talking about, oh, the regulation that Trump, the regulation that he had had to do with brakes, and it also had to do with oil and gas, it didn't have to do with that because it's a whole other set of regulations when you're you, hydro when you're do, dealing with you know vinyl chloride. Um, that's a whole other set of issues with that. But it was the axle that that was what started this, and the regulations have nothing to do with that. So I don't. That's you. you could, media is going to allow them to get away with this, but you can't. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. 
It's time for Florida Man. Florida women pay $300 more for car insurance than men, says a study from News Channel 8. I think there might be a reason why. I'm not going to say. WFLA says that a study on auto insurance rates found that in Florida, women pay $300 higher than men. They said it's a gender gap. Is it a running over the curb gap? Hitting other cars gap, too? I mean, just wondering. You know, I mean, there's there's a reason why. Because dudes are always charged more. I mean, even, you know, especially when you get your insurance for the first time, there's a reason for this, guys. Uh, Polk County, Florida, man arrested for peeping through a window at a Dundee motel, say police. 24-year-old fruitcake has been arrested. He was seen peeping through the windows at a motel, said Polk County Sheriff's Office. On uh, Tuesday, the Polk County Sheriff's deputy was dispatched to the Economy Motor Lodge in Dundee about 6 p.m. after a suspicious person was reported at the motel. According to officials, a motel employee reported seeing a man walking around the hotel peeping into windows. They arrived on the scene. They identified suspicious 24-year-old Dante Clinton. When he spoke with the deputy, he's like, yeah, I didn't have a motel room. And he didn't know nobody there. But he did say he was looking for somebody, but couldn't say who. Now, when he was told he got to leave and not come back, he said, okay. And then... The 24-year-old went right back to the property, Peep, continued peeping in the window, so he was charged with trespassing and taken to the processing center after that. Oh, my goodness. You, you, can't, you can't be doing that kind of stuff. Uh, let's see. Um, there's a couple of other things here. Uh, no, we're not going to do that one. That involves something inappropriate in a store aisle. And no, we're not going to do this one either. Uh, we can do how a Florida man in a tutu was arrested after he broke into a farmer's market to drink all their soda and eat all their fruit. <laughs> Javon Jameson, 22. He was caught in a tutu on surveillance video, breaking into a Tampa area farmer's market and helping himself to some sodies and some fruit after he burst through a glass door. The owner of the farmer's market told... The Palm Beach Post that the men had asked for food and he would have given it to him. John Sanson, the, the owner, uh, if the individual had been hungry. So Jameson was arrested and charged with burglary of an unoccupied structure, criminal mischief and petty theft. Uh, but why the tutu? Like that did not come up at all in this discussion like that. He's a burglary burglar in a tutu. And that's, I mean, that's it. He was in a tutu drinking soda and eating fruit. But why the tutu? Why was that necessary? I feel like, you know, when you're doing these stories, that's like the, you know. Uh, A South Florida man was arrested, accused of uh, running a chop shop. And they, it's the the brother's body shop. Police went there to conduct an inspection. They noticed employees trying not to have anything to do with them. There were a bunch of cars there stolen and stripped. And the owner of the shop, Dayer Leon, was arrested for grand theft and other charges. I bet that's a lot of counts of grand theft, but there's like a lot of cars there. Uh, yeah. I, uh, let's see here. Oh, I got one more. I got one more. I got one more. The Panty Bandit. That sounds like a Southern Fried Rock band name, Panty Bandits. A Panty Bandit busted in a string of thefts at South Florida Malls. 48-year-old Carlos Rodriguez was arrested. He's a serial thief of women's underwear. He steals them regularly from malls and and Doral, uh, Sweetwater, all kinds of places. They finally got him at a Sweetwater Walgreens because he was trying to take ladies' items there, too, and steal them. 
And they found that he had all kinds of, I mean, he had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of panties on him. He was taken to the Turner Guilfoyle Knight Correctional Center out of all the things to steal. Folks, we have our third hour on the way. Don't go anywhere. Back after this. Now, the train passed three wayside defect detectors, which identify overheated bearings and provide an audible warning to train crews. At each detector, the recorded temperature of the bearing increased from 38 degrees Fahrenheit above the ambient temperature, which at the time was 10 degrees Fahrenheit, to 103 degrees above ambient just 10 miles later. Both of those temperatures are considered by Norfolk Southern to be non-critical. The critical threshold per Norfolk Southern is above 200 degrees ambient. Upon passing the third detector with a temperature of 253 degrees above ambient, that's critical. 253 degrees above ambient. A critical audible alarm message sounded, instructing the crew to slow and stop the train to inspect the hot axle, and if warranted, to set car number 23 out. Now, NTSB investigators at this time have not identified any operational issues with the wayside defect detectors, but we're still looking at them. There's also no evidence of track defects. The engineer at the time was following another train and was already in dynamic braking to slow behind the train. So he increased the brake application to further slow and stop the train, meaning he responded immediately. We have no evidence that the crew did anything wrong and during this deceleration, the wheel bearing failed. Hmm. So this is the National Transportation Safety Board Chairwoman, Jennifer Homendy, who is explaining exactly what happened with his rail car. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here. Top of our third hour. What was the cause? And that's what they were getting into. Um, the crazy thing is that, and as uh, Lorraine had noted, is that the crew did not know that the wheel temperatures were increasing until they got the alarm, just like right before it derailed. And it wasn't until they had gone through, because they go through sensors that checks the temperature, etc. And they said that it wasn't until it went through the third sensor, that's when it hit 250, because the critical temp is above 200. And that's when the crew started slowing the train. It was that hot axle. And then the plastic pellets that were in one of the cars. That's what, you know, really did it. And they said that the vinyl chloride car that was insulated, which that did help pre- make, prevent it from being worse, but um, that's the thing. Now, they said that NTSB said that they're looking at the spacing of the detectors because the the, the spacing, you know, however far apart these, these uh, temperature readers, for the lack of a better, better way to say it, are from each other, that, that is, that's on the uh, railroad. So they're going to look at accident response there. There's like, you know, they said, you know, there's a bunch of things that they're looking at. They're going to look at the wheel and the bearing at the inspection process, Norfolk Southerns, uh, all of that. So it is uh, a lot still to do. There's a lot still to do here. And that is some of the latest 
That's the more, I mean, what, you have Poot Buttigieg. You notice he didn't, he just just split, didn't he? Is he even there anymore? He just left. Yeah, I think he's gone. He already, he already left. What the heck was the purpose of him being there? Other than a photo op. Which he, he was mad and he was saying that he, they were accusing Trump of doing a photo op. Well, what are you, what are you doing, dude? Like, what are you doing? You're doing the same thing. All right, so I wanted to hit a couple of other things. Oh, man. Can we talk about Sam Britton? <sighs> Have you ever seen those? It's like sometimes it's on Daily Mail or it'll be elsewhere and it'll be a celebrity and then the celebrity is in an outfit and it says steal her look. Sam Britton applies it to every day and takes it seriously. So Sam Britton is the guy who was in charge, like a deputy. He was a deputy, whatever. Help, he was in charge of uh, nuclear waste uh, management, something like that. And he ended up getting charged with all these felonies because he's stealing ladies' suitcases at the airport. Stealing them right and left. Well, here's where it gets crazy. I, of all the things. So there's a fashion designer. She makes clothes out of different fabrics she i think she makes jewelry and all this stuff too this fashion designer it started on twitter who started after because she had her suitcase stolen she was one of the people who had her suitcase stolen by and she didn't know for or she lost it she she didn't know where her suitcase was and then she started seeing all these pictures of sam brinton and the crazy thing is that sam brinton was wearing the same her clothes was she's from Tanzania. She's based in Houston, Texas. She describes herself as a Tanzanian fashion designer. She says, I lost my bag in 2018 in DCA. I recently heard the news about Sam Brinton's luggage issue. She said, surprisingly, I found in his images, he wore my custom made outfits, all which were in the lost bag in 2018. Now, some people are commenting on the neckline in some of the photos. He's wearing her dress sideways. He's wearing her dress sideways. So she custom makes all of this stuff. And he stole it. And she has all these photos of all of these gowns where she has them on the runway and, 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 promote, and then he stole it. And he wears, he wears them in weird ways. Like he wore the dress the way I guess the dress was supposed to. And then I guess he cut it open and then used it as like a shawl or something. I don't know. He, is a, he does not know how. To, oh, my gosh. And there was another picture of him. And what he's wearing one of her blouses. Someone asked, is this yours? And she said, yes, that's my that is also mine. It was custom made and in the lost bag. I mean... I can't, it is, this is just wild. Why did you, how does he think? I mean, and he's here, and you know what one of the crazy things is? Because it gets crazier. As it, Vanity Fair did an article on it. They did an article on his fashion and the photos that they used for the article on his fashion were the woman's stolen clothes. They did a whole thing it was called 
all the style of Sam Brinton. The nuclear engineer appointed by Joe Biden to serve as deputy secretary at the top of the Department of Energy has, in spite of his part, entered the crosshairs of controversy. The reason? A wardrobe made of stiletto heels, grand evening dresses, and flaming lipsticks. Oh. My. Gosh. They owe that designer a spread, by the way. So the designer is getting famous because a guy who stole her suitcase of custom-made clothing and wore them everywhere. Vanity Fair did a piece on him, and now her clothes are getting out there getting famous because he stole it. I mean, he wore all of her stuff, and he is all over. So you know how when you go to, if you go to red carpet events, you go to a charity thing or whatever, people take pictures, and they usually have a photo service, whether it's like Alamy or they do, sometimes Shutterstock has stuff, uh, Getty images, things like that. And he's in all of those images on these red carpets at these events in her clothes. In her clothes. I am shocked that how far because it gets crazier and crazier and crazier. So she's and it gets and so you Vanity Fair did a piece on him. I mean, I, there are so many photos of him wearing this lady. He wore her necklaces. He wore uh, some of her skirts. He would take her skirts and I guess he ripped them open and he would wear them as like a shawl. He acts like a dude who's never seen clothes. Like if an alien were to put on clothes, that's how he would wear. That's what he would. They would be like Sam Brenton. It is insane. He actually stole her designs and wore them to red carpet events. Anytime you hear any, anybody in this administration lecturing you about critical race theory, you point to Sam Britton, who stole a black lady suitcase, stole her, her designer Tanzanian-inspired designs, and wore them all over red carpet. And they did not mention a single damn thing about the designer when they wrote him up in Vanity Fair and everything else. Now imagine what that would have done. They liked the clothes, clearly. They liked them enough to write about because he, you know, for, for him wearing them. The internet needs to go through because he's been doing this for a long time. I mentioned last night, I'm like, internet, you need to do your thing and find all these. Cl- See, if it's like, it's like, a, what is a card game where you have to find one card and then the matching card? Whatever card you pull up, you got to find the matching card. Memory, Memory game. Yeah. Kind of got to do it with all the photos out there. With all Sam Brenton, just go and look and see if you can match your clothes. If you, ladies, if you ever lost the suitcase, lost. If you ever lost the suitcase, you need to be going through all, going through everything, all your, all the photos online of Sam Brenton. See if you can find your stuff, because this has been going on for a long time. I am, I mean, it is, it is crazy. And he does look like a psycho, but the, I mean, uh, I have no words, none. I just, but I did have an idea. So, you know, what he ought to be doing. And now think about it. Like, there's a way, you know, he's going to probably, I don't know how he's going to, you know, make money at some point. He's never going to be able to get hired again. So when Sam Brenton gets out of prison, what he could do is he could do the Brenton box, like a subscription-based wardrobe service that's all about random women's suitcases. Like, you don't know what you're going to get in this suitcase. Like, you're going to, you don't know what sizes, you don't know what what you're going to get. You're just going to get a whole bunch of random stuff. In a suitcase, steal their style. I just, this is crazy. The fact that Vanity Fair, you guys did a story on this is chef's kiss. It is chef's kiss. 
Now, as I, I said, and I just want to point this out, if they do not do a spread on her clothes, because they owe her, they owe this designer, all these people owe this designer, they need to do a spread on her clothes. Don't sit here and tell me they're going to love her clothes, but on him, which means that they only like things if it's, what, worn by a guy pretending to be a woman? So if they're virtue signaling, then that is what brings the clothing item the value and the style, not the item itself, because that sounds like that's just ratchet. That's what it sounds like. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. All right, coming up. The Supreme Court is mulling over a case. We're going to dive into this um, because it's about Section 230. And there's a reason... You know, I go back and forth. I, I think that there are there's protection needed for certain algorithms and things like this. But I do not like the editorialization and how a lot of social media services in this new era of information and algorithms is absolutely editorialization. I don't think they should be able to get away with acting as a news service, yet not following the law of all of the other every other publication, because then that's not equal. It's not it's separate, but not equal. So we're going to get into all of that because there's a case, Gonzalez versus Google, and we have the Supreme Court that's mulling over. It's going to affect 230. So we'll, we're, we're going to dive into all of that. And we have a whole bunch of other stuff too, too on the way. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Well, now I'm looking for Buster Bluth quotes because we were talking about how Sam Brenton reminds us of Buster Bluth because this is like an arrested development plot. Okay. All right. Let's back to the stuff. Let's get back uh, Kyle Rittenhouse is hit with the lawsuit from the guy, one of the guys that he shot during the 2020 Kenosha clash, clash, Kenosha clash, Gage Groskowitz, the guy d- who didn't he beat up his grandma and he's just an otherwise just, you know, a double snakes deficit in the ground. Right. Okay. Uh, he is seeking economic losses and damages from emotional distress and all this other stuff. And he's a he loss of employment. And I mean, good grief. Well, that's kind of, you know, the casualty of running up on a guy and then drawing your gun on him, running up armed and with a gun in your hand going to shoot him. And you were shocked at that? I mean, what did you think was going to happen, clown? Anyway, it, it was within his rights. More parents are moving in with their adult children. I, now, see, I keep reading stories where it says kids are staying home longer. So which is it? Kids are staying home longer or parents are moving? I don't know. Or can it? I guess it can be both. They said housing costs, child care, and shifting ideas about family are driving a new rise in multi-generational living. I kind of like multi-generational living. I don't like quiet houses. I work best when there's chaos. I thrive in chaos. When it's cool and calm, I don't like it. I'm not, I was born for a storm. I'm not, it's not, not in cool, calm times. Not, not good. And more colleges are to close, even as top schools are experiencing an application boom. People are getting some ideas, I tell you. Stay with us. We got more in store. Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. Both information and misinformation injected into this situation, none of which is to the benefit of the community uh, when it comes to that misinformation. Did Norfolk or- so I think... So I lost my train of thought. Um. <laughs> Steve's like, nothing but train music from here on out. We can only do train stuff. Pete Buttigieg's train of thought derailed. Oh, there it is. Wah, wah. There it is. 
It did though. It derailed and he he's like lost. He has he has no idea what's happening. He is I don't know. Hold on. Uh, yeah, you gotta have this up all the time because I could just do this. I just gonna play this automatically. You still don't have it up? No. I'm gonna keep playing it. You guys don't even know what I'm playing. Don't keep playing. I'm punishing Kane right now. I'm gonna just you know I'm gonna play all of them right now. All of them, Kane. I'm playing all of these sound bites right now. I have this fun little soundboard. And Kane has to literally do a million things on this iPad that he forgets where it is on the desk sometimes. No, we just have it defaulted as muted because you sometimes accidentally hit the audio over there and I didn't want anything bleeding out. I don't ever accidentally hit anything, sir. Oh, would sir. you stop? Sir. You need to quit. Sir. You need to stop. No. <laughs> Not going to do none of it. This is what I played. Actually, I don't know how. What how many genders are there? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just got here. Saying that's all of us right now. We just got here. Okay, let's go to. I had to play that for you because he, the, his, my train of thought. Like, can you just clueless? So, Joe Biden, I wanted to play this audio soundbite. This is one of the, uh, pull this up because we are apparently having a great time paying for everybody's pensions over in Ukraine. I'm not saying this. Biden said this, like, verbatim. Listen to this. And to deliver much needed humanitarian assistance as well as food water, medicine, shelter, and other aid to Ukrainians displaced by Russia's war, and provide aid for those seeking refuge in other countries from Ukraine. It's also going to help schools and hospitals open. It's going to allow pensions and social support to be paid to the Ukrainian people so they have something, something in their pocket. Hmm. Hmm. I want something in my pocket. Yeah, what, why are we paying for everyone else's welfare? Not even, and they're not even here in the United States. I don't even want to pay for welfare here. Um, why you can't? He can't. They can't do nothing for nobody in Ohio, but they're going to pay for all this stuff. Social Security is about. I mean, we're it's going to be insolvent. We're at our debt limit. Then we have Janet Yellen. She came out yesterday or last week and said we're taking extraordinary measures because we are at our debt limit. So we're now actually still funding ukrainian pensions though we're this is a thing we're doing i mean we're it's so bad that i mean this is from cnn yellen anticipates selling existing investments and suspending reinvestments of the civil service retirement and disability fund and postal service retiree health benefits fund She's suspending the reinvestment of a government securities fund of the Federal Employees Retirement System Thrift Savings Plan, too. So they're selling that off. And we're going to fund Ukrainian pensions. As Kane notes, we're selling that off. That'll crash the market. And we're funding Ukrainian pensions. Holy wow. This is... Now you can see why the House Oversight is screaming to have a, a complete accountability of all the spending right now. They're pushing very, very hard. And the, as you can imagine, the White House just drags its feet. This is something else. You think we're going to have a market crash between now and March 20th? Yeah, I That's think what so. you said? Really? I do. Yeah, and anybody paying attention to stocks, and I won't get into the details about it, but there's a lot of uh, betting on these stocks through short sales. And a lot of these short sales have never been purchased back. So in other words, they borrow the share to sell it on the market to crash a certain company. Well, that's not working anymore. 
And so these bear market rallies we're seeing during this last, I don't know, three months or so, are giving people false hope. And the fact that the Fed is going to have to increase the interest rate, again, at least another quarter percent, is going to cause a lot of these issues. So with Janet yelling, Yellen saying that, and with the Fed having to raise the rates, and with a lot of these corporations having to pay more for borrowed money, this is not a good combination, and the market's going to see it. Jeez. Yeah, this this is, we're going to have a 23% shortfall. 2034 Social Security revenues are projected to equal uh, 77%. This is CBO. Uh, this is a report. 77% of the program's scheduled outlays, 23% shortfall. So we're funding pensions, and Ukraine is a corrupt country. You can say that they don't deserve to be invaded and also simultaneously acknowledge the fact that they are a totally corrupt country. Um, Biden's already pledged $500 million when he went over there. And then you have Yellen saying that they need $10 billion extra, an audio that we played earlier, and we're funding pensions there. We're funding their welfare. And they're just going to keep taxing you more and more and more. This is just, I mean, it's on purpose, man. On purpose. I wanted to share also, because I want to make sure we're hitting everything. This whole case, the Gonzalez v. Google. So the Supreme Court's hearing this case where, so the, the purpose of the lawsuits, they, they want to strip Google from their protections from civil liability for third-party content under Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. So Reynaldo Gonzalez, he is the guy who, he's the plaintiff in this case. Uh, there are a couple of really good write-ups on the background of the case. His daughter was killed in 2015, and he was saying that because it was a terror attack, he is arguing that Google is a, uh, your YouTube is a subsidiary of Google and that they were, he's arguing that the terrorist was posting uh, content on YouTube that was, you know, that he was saying aided the Islamic State. And so the case is asking whether or not Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act is applicable to the content that comes up in the recommended section from YouTube's algorithms. Now, Google's defending itself. They argue, the Gonzalez, his team is arguing that the recommended algorithms, you know, you see that, like recommended video, all that stuff. Uh, they said to some degree, they said that their recommendation algorithms make YouTube a publisher of third-party content to some degree. And they say, well, we're not, we're unprotected by 230. And that's, that's what Gonzalez is saying, that they're unprotected by 230 because it's a, the, it is not, it's not like, you, it's a third-party thing. It's a third-party, the algorithm that's doing all of this, the recommended algorithms to, to an extent is like publishing third-party Content, So they're saying that it doesn't apply to that. So they need to be held liable. So it's in some ways, it's a, like a review, a kind of like a appetizer on any kind of move on 230. And in some ways, it's a little bit more limited. But it I mean, because without 230, I mean, so you would you wouldn't be able to post anything hardly anywhere. Um, 
that's that's the thing. I think this comes back to this is what happens when you lack a clarity on Section 230 with all of this. When you have no clarity and you are um, it, when you really should, you should treat especially these algorithms designed like this to promote certain content. It should be treated as editorialization. There was a really good piece and I'll put this in your prep email. Kane had shared this in Slack. Um, it's on Twitter. It's a long thre- a thread to kind of break down some of these arguments uh, for and against on each side on 230. And kind of because it gets into the weeds a little bit when you look at the what's recommended in third party, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that they noted is in here is they're saying that, um, you know, they're talking about civil liability says explicitly providers or users shall be immune from civil liability or voluntarily filtering or blocking objectionable content so long as they did so in good faith. Now, to understand Section 230 really quickly, so you understand this good faith argument, this goes back to that. You guys remember the Wolf of Wall Street, right? That whole movie that was based on a real thing. Okay, so that firm that was involved in all of that back in the early, early days of the Webernets, when you had different ISPs that had their whole different systems, you would have message boards like a giant Reddit for all these different things. And so the ISP in this particular instance, there was like a message board that they had and it dealt with finance and someone was accusing the firm that was in the Wolf of Wall Street of, uh, you know, basically it was accurate, but at the time they were, you know, they were they were arguing against them and the one of the guys that worked in that firm had sued, said it was uh, defamatory, etc. And they wanted to provide the case. Ultimately, it cited on, you know, with the ISP, they were saying you can't hold um, a platform and, and platform is not what's used in 230, but you cannot hold an entity responsible for what people are posting, like uh, in their comments, message boards, things like that especially if the if any kind of moderation is done in good faith. And so, you know, ultimately, it's like looking at, at Yelp. Yelp is a service. Uh, you can't hold Yelp accountable for the comments or reviews or stuff that people post on Yelp. Yelp can make a good faith effort to moderate. But beyond that, they're very, very careful so as to not limit speech online. And I think it's actually a wise move because without the protection of Section 230, then it's constrained for everyone and everybody can be sued for every damn thing. And, you know, I could be sued for comments on my website. We would have to end the YouTube chat. I mean, we'd have to end, I'd have to end all commentary on my newsletter. I mean, because then you could be held liable for everything that somebody else posted. And that's, you know, that's kind of, it's goofy, but that's what this case, that's what that case back then determined. So what they're talking about with this is that, you know, providers or users, they're setting out how section, how that section is differentiated. You know, you're immune from civil liability. If you're, you know, blocking things that are objectionable, like legally objectionable, you know, like, you know, like child, anything like that, horrible like that. Um, And, the they said you know the point of 230 is to protect people who are trying to moderate content but you know because they're 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 doing everything in good faith and at some point you can't get to everything you know i mean this is the way the nature of you know now social media but so what they're saying is that youtube's use of per- personal data they're using personal data to recommend videos and so the third party comes in with the personal using the personal data stuff. They said, you know, they're using your personal data to serve up videos that you're likely to click on and share. And the recommend the recommendation algorithms, they said, are trade secrets. And that, you know, they're using your personal data and apparently working with another third party to an- use that, you know, have, have some analysis and then throw that up in the algorithms. And so that's why they say that makes it exempt from 230. It's a very... 
interesting argument because I kind of wonder, you know, how many other of these platforms rely on, you know, work with another entity when they're going through personal data to go through recommendations for things. You know, I'm just, you know, it makes you wonder. Um, And I would imagine, you know, a lot of, I mean, that, gosh, that would be applicable applicable to so many things. And I agree with Kane. Kane's like, well, I don't know why we just can't adhere to existing laws of speech on libel. And I agree with that with libel and defamation. The thing with 230, though, is that they're separating the people who are posting the comment from the thing on which they're posting the comment. Because now, and I do agree with this, up until that point, there hadn't been, because technology, you know, technology will make, will require clarification of law, but natural rights are not anachronistic. So it doesn't matter the medium through which speech happens, free speech is still free speech. But what they were also saying is that you cannot hold another entity responsible for someone else's comments, especially if they don't even merit, in a lot of instances, if they don't even merit, you know, actionable, unprotected speech. So you can't go out and sue Yelp because you don't like somebody's review, or you can't go out and sue a website because you don't like what a commenter said or something like that, or even if it does go up to something that's unprotected. So, it, and, and especially it's that good faith clause or that good faith um, um, inclusion. So there, it's... It, it still is judicial policymaking. And I agree with what one analysis says. They said it's judicial policymaking, like a like turn of 20th century judges, not wanting to impose tort liability on early industry for fear of curtailing growth. Now, so, that's what some justices think. Kavanaugh, they said, seems afraid to rule because it undermines these those models like that. And they said others like Kagan think that it's an institutional competence question, that it that Congress should be changing overbroad judicial interpretations of 230. So there's there's a really it's a fascinating discussion. But I do err always on the side of caution with this stuff. So it just needs a clarification with editorialization and algorithms for tech. That's it. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern time. First of all, the president frequently visits the sites of many natural and man-made disasters. And this situation in East Palestine has clearly required a multi-agency uh, response from the federal and the state level. So I guess I'm just struggling to understand why the president wouldn't go to East Palestine. Yeah. It, does it simply not meet the bar for a presidential visit? Look, I don't, I, I, it, it, I want to be very clear here. Um, be clear. There's no reason to struggle, I don't it, think, it, on this it, question. I think when you look at how the federal agents, agencies have responded from day one and took this very seriously uh, and reacted it within hours of the derailment and was on the ground, uh, this is the Environmental Protection Agency, as I was saying, they are the ones uh, that deal with these types of chemical spills. They are the ones spills? that are the leaders on this. Can we make that today in stupidity, too? That's crazy. By the way, Team Pete does not want to explain why Judge took a picture of a reporter yesterday. They will not talk about it. I'll put that in your prep. All right, today's stupidity. What's we got? Well, it is KJP. I don't know if we play the whole thing, but this is what she was saying earlier about the diversity in the cabinet with Biden. For the first time in history, the cabinet is a majority female for the first time in history. A majority of White House senior staff identify as female. 40% of White House senior staff identify as part of the racially diverse communities. And a record seven assistants to the presidents are openly LGBTQ+. Okay. 
and the worst two years that we've ever had of any administration has happened. What does that tell you? So glad we checked all those alphabet boxes. Folks, I'm going to be out tomorrow for some work travel, but my brother from another mother, Sergio, is going to be in, so treat him nicely. Sign up for the newsletter. Back with you Monday.